This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's Playground. Chills, thrills, and spills. The adventures and misadventures of Mandy Eric. That's coming up on the podcast. But first, a reminder that if you love the outdoors and want to align your education with woods and lakes and future employment in the trades, Northwest Technical College in Bemidji is the place for you. They've got great technical education in six career fields, automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology right in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods, surrounded by more than 400 lakes and acres and acres and acres of forest. The shortest path to your dream job begins at NTC, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. Mandy's up next. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley with Dick Beardsley Fishing Guide Service and Fish House Rentals. Are you looking to plan your next ice fishing adventure? Well, look no further as Bemidji, Minnesota is the place to be. There are over 400 fishing lakes within a 25-mile radius of Bemidji. Come drop a line at becoming a fishing legend. While on your fishing adventure, explore the hundreds of well-groomed snowmobile trails that Bemidji has to offer. Don't forget to take a picture with the historic Paul Bunyan and Bathe the Blue Ox. Bemidji, bigger fish and better stories. Well, it's been too long, but she's uh, she's been having adventures, good and bad. Welcome back to the show, Mandy Urich. It is great to be back, trust me. <laughs> yeah, you've had some issues. That's a really peaky way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you were down for the count, and here it is, 20, uh, 2022, and it wasn't even COVID. No, it wasn't. Uh, three negative COVID tests, and three weeks later, I'm finally right side up, um, I guess, we still do have just a regular old bad, bad winter cold. Oh, that and that's no fun, especially with the ones that hang on like that. Correct. It, it, I mean, I, I can't really complain uh, just for the simple fact that, I mean, it wasn't COVID. It could have been worse. But, yeah, it just would not let go. And to, for three-plus weeks to just be completely down, uh, yeah, it, it's cutting into all the good things that I could be doing. Well, I know. I mean, uh, for you to be sitting around for three weeks is probably about the worst thing that can happen to you. It is. I don't sit still very good, that's for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, before you were uh, down for the count, you had a lot of stuff going on. I did. I, I had an epic adventure that I've been, uh, been on the books for about six months plus. Well, one of them includes, and I saw you post a little bit about it on uh, on Facebook, um, you did some film, filming for a very famous show. <laughs> I did. Uh, so this isn't the first time, this is the second time, but I was actually filming with Meat Eater. Um, pretty large agency there multiple different shows and radio shows and blogs and um yeah so that was super cool uh, it was the first time i've actually filmed one-on-one with steve Ernella, so that was super cool to to meet him in person and be able to film with him uh him and cal and they have quite the quite the large production but it was really cool um to be joined by jay seaman for anybody who doesn't know who that is uh jay seaman is a really big youtuber out of the Kenora, ontario area and he just recently actually got signed and picked up by Meat Eater uh, for his own fishing TV show. So that's really was really neat. So what were uh, the things you were doing? Uh, 
We're we did a little bit of everything. Okay. Um, obviously, we're ice fishing. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we, we targeted multiple different species, including uh, perch and walleye and whitefish, and we also spooked for pike. Okay. And uh, it, what, do we know when that's going to air? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I will give you the heads up as, as soon as I know. Uh, it is for their actual meat eater show on, on Netflix. So I know that uh, season 10 part two just came out. So I'm guessing with production times, right, there's a, there's a bit of a turnaround for post-production sure. on those after filming. So I, I would assume, you know, anywhere from two to four months. Okay. So we haven't seen it yet. We haven't missed it anyway. No, you haven't missed it yet. Um, how, and I'm always curious because I've never actually watched a, a filming of a, of a show. I mean, how different is that than your actual just going out fishing and hunting? Um, so realistically, um, nothing's scripted. You okay. know, it, it's it's literally just kind of keeping it organic, go by the seat of your pants. You know, that that's the nice part. That's that's always the most organic, real deal feel if you just go, right? And you, you film the good, you film the bad, you film the funny, you, you film everything, right? And, and what actually makes it to the show is always kind of a surprise what they, what they take and what they don't in the post-production. But, yeah, uh, trust me, they will definitely have a plethora of all of that. <laughs> okay. All right. Looking forward to it. Um, I always, you know, one of the things I've heard from people who do the filming and have been in the business of that is it's just because you're turning it into an hour or, a, you know, a half hour show, depending on what the show is. The timeline crunch gets to be a little unrealistic. You know, you watch a fishing show, guy's been in the boat for three minutes and he's bringing in a, you know, an eight pound walleye. Probably didn't really happen that quickly. <laughs> no, no, normally it doesn't happen that way. <laughs> that, that's, the, that's the power of post-production. It's <laughs> really interesting because obviously a viewer doesn't want to sit there for, you know, three quarters of a show to see them catch their first fish. So that's, you know, it's nice to be able to keep it, it, it action packed. And, um, you know, realistically we were filming for, uh, five days. So, okay. you know, five days, granted there was multiple different lakes and different species that, that go into that, but that'll keep it, you know, for a half hour show, uh, really action packed. Now, do, are you allowed to reveal where you were fishing yet? Or does that have to wait till it airs? Um, I, I can, at least say the state because okay. we've already broadcast uh, the the podcast talking about it. Oh, okay. Uh, so we actually we filmed in my home state. We filmed in North Dakota. Okay, place you know a few spots. Correct. So <laughs> that uh, that was pretty neat to to be able to to go home and, and film in the Devil's Lake area. Uh, obviously, I hadn't I hadn't actually been back for for a while, probably a few years now. Um, you know, I grew up there. We had a resort you know, a little lake place on, uh, on on Devil's Lake and Black Tiger Bay. And I was there a few years ago just to kind of check up on the on the place because my dad had passed away and kind of come up with a, a game plan for moving forward. So it'd been, it'd been too long since I'd been home. Well, that's cool. That's very cool. Um, was it was it your North Dakota knowledge that they wanted? Was it your specific fishing knowledge? Was Or was it just kind of your general overall uh, ability to do lots of things? That's the funny part. So I assumed, right, never assume anything. I assumed... But they were bringing me back because of that you know, that base, like growing up there, uh, you know, the story behind Devil's Lake itself as, as a biologist and, and, not, and, you know, growing up there with a the resort and kind of honing my fishing skills there. And truth be told, we're three days in and I'm filming with Steve and we're just BSing. He didn't know any of that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so he looked at it like a deer in the headlights and was kind of like, what? And I was like, I assume that's why I got the invite. And he, he kind of chuckled and he goes, well, I guess we've got a lot to talk about then. <laughs> he just brought you in because you're really good. 
I, I, I guess so. It, it was one of those deals where they, uh, for the most part, I mean, this had been on the books for probably six months. Um, they really kept the details close to their chest until the last minute. Uh, realistically, we did not get a schedule where we we're seeing what we were doing, where we we're fishing until like 24 hours before we were supposed to leave. So you didn't even know? No, I, <laughs> I, I had not. I knew which state, obviously, we were going to, but... Uh, yeah, so there was no real preparing like I normally would, right? Like when they came here to film with me, I was all pre-fishing, you know, previously really honing in those spots and that bite and, you know, getting a milk run basically set up for us to be able to go from spot to spot to, you know, if fishing wasn't good one spot. So that was not <laughs> an option, uh, surprisingly. And that was a, a bit of a difference because Jay does the same thing, right? Like we're, we're people that want to go out and, and, and do our own thing. And it really was kind of almost a lake commando style deal, like we do with Steve Panaz. Like, you basically found out where you're fishing. You had to take all of your internal knowledge and basically come up with a game plan, like, on the fly. Well, that could, that could make for some entertaining television. <laughs> Correct. It, it was cool. Like, they really, like, you know, dug into what our thought process, why we we're picking these particular places, you know, kind of what, what our... Our, our hunch or why, you know. So I, I think that that's cool. It kind of leads into, you know, everyday fishermen when you go to a new place. Like, what's the thought process of, of where you're going, what you're going to try, what spots, what baits. So, yeah, I think it'll make for some good TV. Now, speaking of intriguing stuff, when you gave me, when we were getting back and forth uh, on, you know, texting back and forth trying to get set up, you said lots to talk about, and a couple of topics really caught my eye. Blizzard and car crash. Oh. So what oh. is that about? Kev, you just can't make this stuff up. Okay. So, obviously, I, I we find out where we're going. Um, I just happened, by the way, to have, be providing through Eskimo, um, all of their snowsuits, all of their apparel, augers. So, I mean, I don't just have my stuff. Like, I've got their stuff. So, I've got my snowmobile, my fish houses, all of this accoutrement <laughs> that I've got to haul to, to, to Devil's Lake for us to even be able to film the show. So, right. I take off, and it's a blizzard here <laughs> and I get to Bemidji and I get T-boned. I mean, absolutely crushed. Oh no. Um, it, it, it was a scary situation. Uh, the, the gal was, was at fault, uh, hit me on the driver's side, uh, to the point where my truck was actually undrivable because the bumper and everything had been pushed into the tire. And so I'm in an instant panic, not even thinking about myself. I jump out, check, make sure she's okay. And then my next thought is, oh, my goodness, how am I going to get this trailer full of stuff because we start filming at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning to double plate because you can't get rental vehicles that tow. Right. Um, so long story oh. short, um, I, the tow company gets the bumper pulled out of out of my my tire so it, it's drivable. I bring it over to Donlinger's in Bemidji. They check it over. They say, well, nothing's leaking. Um, drive on. Well, the problem is it's a blizzard. It, it was negative 43 oh. in whiteout conditions. Uh, to the point where from Bemidji to Grand Forks, I couldn't do over 21 miles an hour because there was zero visibility. Oh. So the anxiety of driving, right? The anxiety of the, trash, mm -hmm. the crash. And then the anxiety also that, oh, my goodness, like, what if my vehicle dies <laughs> on the side of the road? And as everybody knows, from Bemidji to Grand Forks, there's not a whole lot. There's, there's quite a few you know, areas where there's not a lot of towns, even if there are towns, they're small, there's not a lot of repair, there's obviously not hotels. Yep. So anxiety ridden. So many, many hours later, I make it to Grand Forks, um, 
and it's still a blizzard going on. And now it's like negative 40-something. Wind is just howling. So I make the executive decision. I'm going to stay overnight in Grand Forks and not try to drive at night um, in these blizzard conditions. Uh, one, there's just no visibility. And two, it's just not safe with those cold temps. So um, I let everybody know what the plan is, is that, you know, I'll be up at the crack of dawn and on the road at, at daybreak. So my, my poor crushed pickup truck that's still chugging along with my enclosed trailer with all their stuff. I get up bright and early. Uh, I call them. I tell them I'm getting on the road, uh, assuming, right, that I'm going to go to where we're staying so I can unload their stuff. They can get their gear. I can kind of repack for the day uh, before we start on our adventure. And basically, they dropped me a pin uh, where we're fishing and, like, said, we'll see you on the ice when you get there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so that, that was an interesting situation to to say the least, um, that was one of the, the day. The first day was probably the best conditions. It was ridiculously cold, like still like probably negative 39, but the wind wasn't as bad. So there wasn't blowing snow. Um, but as far as the next, you know, five days or so, um, there was two days where the winds were gusting over 50. Oh. So, I mean, I, I, I've done some pretty extreme things in my life uh, that I wouldn't repeat. <laughs> and, and this was one of those ones where you, you get done and uh, you say, yeah, not for all the money in the world would I probably do that again in those kinds of situations. But, um, yeah, this past week it's been cold here, you know, like negative 33 in the morning. And I got up and laughed. I'm like, <laughs> I, I bet <bench> worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. All right. So, people, you got to watch this show and you better appreciate it because she went through uh, hell and back to get you to see this great uh, quality entertainment. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, definitely when you say you're going to have an adventure like I, I had, I had to adventure. It had the peaks. It had the valleys. Uh, it, it had all of it. Uh, I, I'm glad that I, I came home in, in one piece. My truck's the worst from the wear, but <laughs> eventually that'll, that'll get fixed here and Hopefully everything will, will just be a, a laughable memory in six months by the time the, the show airs. She's Mandy Urich, and despite that amazing story, we're just getting started. This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Visit Bemidji, Northland Technical College, and Bemidji State University, where you can pursue your passions with a world-class education. The drive to acquire deeper knowledge and develop greater wisdom is already in your nature. So... Join us on the shores of Lake Bemidji and find out how Minnesota's premier Northwoods University will help you make the world a better place than you found it. Learn more at BemidjiState.edu and schedule a tour today. This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast. I'm Kev Jackson, and my guest today is the unsinkable Mandy Ura. All right, let's talk about something a little more leisurely now. Uh, it's a post uh, that you put up a while ago, a few weeks ago, I think it was, of you in a, in a new fish house. Yes. Nice. <laughs> this is always happens, right? Like, I, I joke about this. It's like the year that you buy a snowmobile, right? Like, we don't have any snow. Yep. No, this is the year we don't have any ice yep. because it's not a fish house. <laughs> it, it, just, it always seems to happen. And I haven't had... Um, a hard-sided house in, in probably three years, just for the simple fact that I, I really have been getting into the, you know, being super mobile. Like, mm -hmm. it's kind of addictive, right? I mean, there's a this social aspect in, in the comfort of, of having a nice hard-sided shack, but it was one of those ones where I was just kind of like, eh, I could do with it, I could do without it. Everybody seems to have one. You can just go chill at your buddy's, you know, fish shack. But I, I, I pulled the trigger. It was too good of a deal not to. Um, and, yeah, I, I do have to do some follow-up posts. 
uh, I, everybody who's been in it just kind of like giggles and shakes their head that, you know, I, I may fish like a dude, but Martha Stewart's got nothing on me <laughs> like decorating fish houses. I have customized every single inch of this fish house. Sweet. <laughs> and I think people are going to be very, very surprised. It's extremely unique. Um, but yeah, that was literally the, the first time that I had it on the ice because we haven't had good ice conditions. You right. know? We, we, we started to get ice and then we got all that snow and we have just really been struggling with, you know, getting 14, 16, 18 plus inches of, of good ice where I feel comfortable to be able to get that fish house out, not worry about flooding out or, or something like that. So yeah, I'm going to get a little bit of time before, uh, to enjoy it before the end of the season and then the permits have to come off. Right. Yeah. So uh, what is your ice situation over there right now? It's still hit or miss. Um, you can get around pretty much anywhere, you know, absolutely hands down snowmobile or, uh, or, or four-wheeler. I, surprisingly enough, even after we've had all these cold temps, there's still areas where it's slushy. You know, you, you go drill a hole, you're on foot or your sled or, or wheeler, and you go drill holes, and there's so much weight of that snow on top of the ice that it starts to flood out, um, and it's just a big slushy mess. And if anybody's ever been in one of those slushy messes, it's bad. Yes. Tracks freezing. I mean, it just makes fishing miserable. Um, but I think, I'm hoping, especially like after this week, um, we should be turning that corner. Uh, the, the ice has basically gotten thick enough. We're not getting any more snow. Uh, that That's going to kind of stop, and we're going to be able to get back to normal to really run and gun wherever you want to go. I've uh, you know I've talked to a number of people over there and they're all kind of frustrated with the ice, but they say once you get out, once you get through the hassle, there there is fish to be caught. <laughs> there is. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I, after after how many weeks of being down, even after fishing a week long in, in a blizzard, uh, I've been excited to to get out and, and and pop around. And here again, we talk about it all the time about weather patterns and. The cold temps, the highs, the lows, the barometric pressure, like, um, I, I, where I had my, my fish house previously, you know, I got out, got on that spot. First night was, I would say, exceptionally good for just fishing, I would call prime time, you know, a couple hours before and at dusk and after, um, caught some nice walleye. And I was like, oh, sweet. Then you go out, like, the next three days and, you know, you catch a couple pike and there's no walleye. And I'm like, everybody's like, what's going on? I'm like, well, let's think about it. Like, the night that we caught them, it was snowing. You know, there's a front coming in, barometric pressure's low. I said, all of a sudden, it's bluebird skies and super high pressure. And I was like, it's so up and down. So even the summertime patterns apply to wintertime, too, with this uh, skipping around. We haven't had uh, solid weeks or, you know, seven-plus days of, of same weather patterns. So, uh, yeah, it should be interesting. Now we're, we're kind of back on that track again. The temps are going to come back up <laughs> after being epically cold and uh We'll see where it goes with the bite, but I haven't even, it just seems so weird to me because normally I'm running and gunning from December, you know, as soon as we get some decent good ice, I'm all over the place. And it seems really weird that I'm into February and I haven't even went crappie fishing. Oh, wow. That is not a norm. But here again, when you're down for three weeks, yeah. <laughs> it cuts into my fishing time. <laughs> Well, uh, you're going to head back to, to Dakota, actually going to head back through North Dakota. Let's hope the traveling and the weather is a little better there. But you're going you're gonna to have a lot of fun in a week or so. I am. Uh, I'm, I'm heading out to, to Fort Peck, Montana. It's been a bucket list item for me for many, many years. Um, and the issue is Fort Peck's ice is really hit or miss. Um, 
it's so hard to, to plan it out and to time it. Um, I mean, even next week, it's going to be 48 to 52 degrees out there. Mm. You know, okay. it was negative one there yesterday. It's a large body of water. Um, they get a lot of cracks. They get heaves. They get gas bubbles. So hitting it at the right time is really, really crucial. But I obviously am not the only person that's had this on, on my mind. Uh, I hear that he had he had Willie on. He was just out there. Yep. Um, which kind of stinks because we had planned to kind of be an there at the same time. But obviously I was down <laughs> super, super sick. So I had to push the trip a, a few weeks until I'm up and better to be able to run around and really enjoy it. But I'm excited. I, I love fishing, big lakers. Normally I head up to Ontario every March for 10-plus days, and I go chase big lake trout up there. So to be able to do something like that, say in the States, go to a new area, and experience, it's going to be 48 to 52. I mean, that's like summer to us. Like, oh, yeah. It's shirt sleeve weather. I know. <laughs> I'm going to come home like so unbelievably sunburned. I'm going to have to remember to keep my long sleeves on and lots of sunblock, but after, you know, waking up the other morning to negative 33, <laughs> it's going to feel like a little touch of, uh, well, basically April. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and you've never fished it before? I've never fished it before. There again, that doesn't happen, right? Like, right. I, I, I've fished all over the place, and it, I'm excited. It, it just seems like this has been probably six or seven years on a bucket list for me. And after the way 2022 started... <laughs> I'm hoping for some positives. Uh, you know, Willie and those guys were out there. Mike Olson from Fish Addictions has been out there just recently. John Hoyer's been out there. Um, the fishing's been excellent. The bite's been good. Uh, conditions have been favorable, so hopefully we can keep that going. The ice conditions uh, stay where they're at and stay safe, and we can get out and catch a ton of big, giant, beautiful lakers. Well, for our listeners, uh, some good general advice, just general ice fishing advice that can pat, go from lake to lake. What what do we need to have with us this time of year? What What is an absolute must-have? One, don't fish by yourself. It doesn't matter. Ice is never safe. I don't care what lake you're on, what system you're on, what time of year it's on. It's never safe. You, I mean, there's always that possibility. So the best route is to, is to always have a buddy. If you're not fishing with somebody, tell somebody where you're at. Drop them a pin. Communicate with people when you're getting on, when you're getting off, so people can understand or know where you're supposed to be at. Um, I never travel, honestly, anywhere on the ice uh, without some kind of... I've got a float suit on, but normally we've got throws or rings with ropes with us, gosh forbid. Uh, even if it's not yourself, if you're able to help somebody else who, who's in trouble, um, that's always always good to have. Um, yeah, and don't ever trust. Just because you saw somebody else drive out there, that you can do that. Uh, I don't know if everybody saw those posts from a few weeks past, but oh, we had quite a few people go through. And they're like, oh, we drove on that for three days in a row. But they never once got out and checked that ice. Right. They never drilled the hole themselves. Hmm. It, and it's just one of those things where you don't depend on anybody else for your safety. Take the five minutes. Get out and check five, six, seven spots. You know, as you're heading out, so you've got a track line, and you know for yourself exactly what those ice steps are, because it might be 12 inches right there. You could go three feet, and you might be on four to six. <sighs> yeah, that happens all the time. It really does. Um, so, and I think I think at this time of year too, because people assume because it's so late in the season. You know, early ice. I think people are a lot more cognizant about it because you're on a wheeler, you're on a snowmobile, so you can just jump off and check. Where people are now driving out with vehicles. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's super cold, and they don't want to get out of their truck because it's cold. Well, don't be lazy. Yeah. Um, 
What's your go-to lure? What do you love to use for ice fishing? Well, it depends. What, what are we fishing for, Kevin? <laughs> oh, you know, the, the generals, the the walleyes, the panfish, the perch. Yeah, I would say my go-to, I love a Northland Buckshot rattlespoon. They've got multiple colors, multiple sizes. Uh, you can use it in multiple different applications. Um, I've been using that for years. That That's normally tied on, for, well, for sure, it's tied on one of my rods. Um, I do like smaller jigging wraps. So you can go even to like uber small micro ones, so fairly large big ones. Um, those are good for even micro ones for, for crappie. Um, work really well. What else do we got here? I'm, I'm standing here looking at my wall of wonder. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I haven't packed my rods yet, so they're all on the, on the wall, the wall racks for my ice stuff, looking at what I've got tied up. Um, drop shots or drop spoons um, are another good one. Um, they have multiple applications. You can use them for, for perch or tulabee or, or walleye. Those are good. Um, smaller Lindy Flyers, um, which I don't, you know, people may not remember those, but um, those are go-tos for me in, in multiple different colors. Like, I, I like those in, in a gold or a golden red, but here again, it's, it can be dependent on what the uh, water is that you're fishing, if it's super clear or if it's tannic, something like that. And Obviously, you cannot go wrong with some kind of a micro tungsten head for panfish or crappie, and you can put a multitude of different plastic or waxies or bloodworms on those. Okay. Uh, anything else we should know? Everybody needs to get out and enjoy this. Yeah. we got to get out and, and go. Like I, I'm looking forward, and I'm just like, it's February already. <laughs> I know. But, oh, my goodness. You know, once March hits, I feel like we've got that really short window. It's always a really good bite for multiple different species. It's like the equivalent to fall fishing, right? Mm -hmm. Late ice, there again, we're going to run into some safety issues, but the bite's awesome. And then it's like, snap your fingers, and hopefully everybody, once rainy opens up, heading up to rainy to do some some walleye fishing, and then a little bit later, some sturgeon fishing, and then hopefully by the time we get home, our lakes are open and we can start our seasons here. (laughs) That would be ideal. That would be ideal. We do live in Minnesota. Ideal is not often with us but uh that would be ideal <laughs> no no i hear you it's, it's, it's quick upon us and i keep thinking we've got turkey season you know oh, yeah. all this other stuff that's that's coming up to get ready for and i'm just like oh there's never enough time i need to go on vacation just so i can just have fun <laughs> you probably need to take like a 52 week vacation <laughs> work might give me one it might not be paid <laughs> Well, hey, have fun on your trip uh, out west to Fort Peck. And, of course, um, can't wait to see the show once it's aired. Let us know when that happens. Absolutely, will do. Mandy Urich, she's always a great guest to have on the show. Always a wonderful person having fun when she's not sick. Let's hope she keeps having fun. Thanks, Mandy. Thanks, Kev. You've been listening to the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Northwest Technical College and Bemidji State University. You can catch the radio show Saturdays on KBUN Sports Radio 104.5 in Bemidji, B93.3 in Brainerd, and Kick FM in Alexandria. And of course, multiple times a week, we'll have great stuff for you right here on the podcast. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast has also been sponsored by Visit Bemidji.